We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's is development. It's market yeah. product market fit. Um, yeah. It's actually product research. It's market yeah. re- I mean, yeah. And but I think that at the heart of it is talking to people. That's how you yeah. get to product yeah, yeah. Fit. That's how you get to sales. You have to talk to yeah. people. People are so in their shell that it's like yeah. you have to get out of your comfort zone. You have to if you're going to do a startup. So otherwise, you're going to keep guessing. You're going to keep throwing stuff at the wall and hoping it sticks. And guess what? Throwing stuff at the wall and tech and hoping it sticks costs a lot of money. Is is a lot of time and money wasted yeah. for sure. It's the Bumble growth hack, right? Yeah. Bumble, what they did was like, hey, we'll go to these sororities, sponsor the event, tell all the frats to download it. And so as the guys show up, they have to have the Bumble. And then what happens is once they graduate from University of Michigan or Rutgers or wherever, they then go move to San Francisco or New York and like they're talking about Bumble. So like that's a way you can use events to like see off like a software side. Like there's all different ways to slice it. But I say like do some events, make sure you have the right agendas and things that are filling yeah. up the room and then get creative on like how do you drive value to the room and, to get, and how do you get value from the room, you know? And, Creating that for everybody. That's super interesting because we you know, were at my day job. Like, wow. Yeah. A lot of our clients love events. My name is Jari Bolander. Welcome to the Entrepreneur Ethos Podcast. On this podcast, we're going to take a deep dive into the traits, values, beliefs, and skills of all sorts of entrepreneurs to learn how to build a more ethical, inclusive, and resilient world. Let's get started. Jason. Malky. Welcome to the show, man. Thank you for having me. Excited to be here. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. You referred to me by our good friend, Sean Gold. The man who was episode <laughs> He was episode 100 of this podcast. Go. He fought hard to be episode 100. <laughs> the Sean move. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, because we're talking, he's like, well, what episode is this going to be? And I said, I don't know, maybe like 97, 98. He's like, Jar. I have to be 100. <laughs> the reputation thing. I know. You are founder and CEO of Startup Boost and Superwarm.ai, which, of course, can't wait to talk about all this AI shenanigans going on. And so it's always cool to kind of meet folks in the startup ecosystem. I'm a big fan. You know, the show is called The Entrepreneur Ethos. So, of course, I love entrepreneurs. But before we dig into all that fun stuff, as I always like to say, my only question, since I'm lazy engineer type person, tell us uh, how you got to do what you're doing today. Absolutely. So it's been a journey, to say the least. So I'll kind of give you the genesis story. I'm going to go all the way back to, honestly, college slash like my childhood almost, because it all correlates. So growing up, both my parents uh, were entrepreneurs, you know, owned small businesses. Prior to that, my father used to do manufacturing. 
with my mother and then they eventually went to wholesale then retail you know growing up you know i was in the factory or a little later in life in the store at the register and uh, you know knew early on like i'm just gonna have my own business but you know then i think yeah I was, this is i'm aging like i'm 36 now so i was 18 i go to college right this is probably 2006 i want to say it's my freshman year right and yeah there was my brother actually was working on a startup a tech startup it was kind of like a youtube but with like an annual award show so it's supposed to attract like higher quality creators was kind of his concept because he had a film background that ended up kind of like you know busying out but when I saw that, like he had, you know, videos being played and like, you know, I was like, whoa, somebody like I could just create a business on the computer like that. Like my brain like exploded. It was like, whoa. Yeah. So for me, I was like, all right, this is cool. I don't have to sit behind a register, break boxes or do any of that stuff. And I can still like own a business. So while I was at college, I joined an entrepreneurship club. And while I was build, I was actually trying to build an entrepreneurship club at my school. And I was, you know, for me, I was like, let me ask around like other entrepreneurship clubs in the New York City area and try to get some like insights on how to do it before I kind of jump into it. So I connected to this guy who was running the NYU Entrepreneurship Club. And he's like, hey, I have this group on the part of NYC Startup Mixers. I believe he was like an intern there at the time. And he had some older gentleman who like was kind of our boss there. So I came in, we started doing NYC Startup Mixers. You know, that was the name of it. And, uh, you know, my early thought was, you know, 18, 19, whatever the exact age was at the time. You know, my network's my net worth. Let me meet people. So ended up, you know, going to all these mixers and I got exposed to this entire world of like startups. And at that point, like San Francisco was definitely the leader. Like New York was just starting to come on. And it was awesome. I got to meet like founders, investors. Like it was the coolest thing in the world to me. So like at one point, like I remember literally I'd like work at the store and then hop on the bus from Jersey and like take the bus to New York. And like, just go to these events. And even if we weren't doing events, I'd like find free events on Eventbrite and just like go and like understand like what's going on in the ecosystem. So that was kind of like the early, early start and how like I got into startups. And then what ended up happening was the gentleman who ran NYC Startup Mixers, he ended up moving, I think to Florida. And he gave me and the kid from NYU, like his like list. And he was like, hey, like go for it. Like, you know, whatever you guys want to do with this. And so we did it for a couple of years together. Maybe it was like a year or so. And he ended up joining a co-working space in Midtown Manhattan as like their events team. And it was actually interesting because like we were doing more one-off events at first. And then fast forward, you know, at the co-working space, we do like five, six events a week. And we got to do like tons of different varieties, like hackathons, meetups, you know, panels, pitch events. Like we literally did it all. So that was a cool experience. After a while, I was like, all right, kind of just want to do my own thing again. So I ended up leaving there and starting my own group, which was Startup Boost. And so now Startup Boost has been around for over a decade, but the first couple of years, honestly, it was just like meetups. Like I didn't really have a great business plan. I like my business model was sponsorships, which honestly is not the best business model. It's a pain in the butt. Yeah, it's not worth the squeeze. And so over the years though, what I found just meeting literally thousands of investors and founders was that in that zero to one phase, you know, called pre-seed to series A, all these founders have a uniform set of needs. They need a pitch deck, they need lead generation, they need, you know, paid acquisition, they need to, you know, do some business development. So instead of outsourcing and chasing down sponsors for those solutions, I said, why not start consulting? So slowly but surely I was doing it one-to-one and it got to a certain point where I essentially was like, Hey, I need help because like we're making money and I need to bring on more people. But I will say like on that 
journey to go full time on Startup Boost 100%. There were a few like stints where I like worked at a startup during the day and hustled you know, Startup Boost at night just to like, make sure I could like, you know, keep the lights on and, you know, I live with my parents a little longer than I should have at some point. But, you know, it's necessary. You know what I mean? You got to do what you got to do. You got to hustle. And for me, it's, I, again, I just, I worked at some startups and I'll be honest with you, it was one of those things where I'd stare at the clock and it's like, it, like I, I could just one, like I'd be like counting the seconds on the clock. It was just, yeah. Didn't, I wasn't, it was different. I had a taste of, the only thing, I had a taste of owning my own business. Yep. And it was the funniest thing, actually, I'll tell you a quick story on it. I remember I was sitting at the office. I was a sales development rep. Yeah, I was an SDR at the startup. They're pretty, they're a cool startup. They've gone on to raise like a hundred million dollars plus they're, they're rolling. But I was on the early sales team and I'll be honest with you. I remember like I told them I was still doing startup boost on like the side. Right. I remember I told myself because I'd been working there a couple months. I didn't love it. It was like a stressful thing for me. I remember it was the time around where I told my ACL also. So like I was using the crutches, like going to work. Like it just sucked. And I was coming from Jersey. It wasn't fun. So, or not, no, I think I was on crutches. Yeah, it sucked. But the point was like, I just had seen the difference between working for a business and owning one. And I just was, I, I got bit. I had like the bug and I was like, I just, mm-hmm. I got to figure this out. And it was so funny. I remember I was like, I met someone at one of my events. I said to myself, it was like a deck design project, for like a thousand bucks, 1500 bucks. And I was like, if I sell this, I'm like, it is a sign. Like I'm going back all in and like, I'll roll with the punches. Like I literally told myself that. I remember like the next day I got emailed guys like, Hey, let's move forward. And I was like, all right, like I, I, I tested things and like, I got the answer I was looking for. And it's like, just take that leap of faith. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah man. Yeah. Never haven't looked back. I'm like, look, man, it's, there's, there's, especially early on when you create a business, there's, you know, peaks and valleys. So even as we started to like get momentum and like, I started making some money, there's also the valley. So like, I remember even times where I was like, damn, man, should I just like, though, this is like even like a couple years into it, right? When I was going full time, I was like, should I just go back to getting a job? Like, what, you know, now I'm getting to like my mid twenties. I'm like, what am I doing here? Like, is it make sense or not? So, you know, there's a lot of that, that you need to like combat in your mind, to be quite honest, to get to a certain point to where you make that breakthrough. I always think of, you've probably seen the meme where like, there's someone like digging, there's like two guys digging, and, like there's a wall of diamonds behind the dirt. They yeah. keep going. One guy walks away. I remember like always thinking that I used to always think about that image. I'm like, you're right there. Just keep going. Yeah. Yeah. And you like, never know if it's oh, around yeah. the corner or not. Yeah. Oh yeah. And like fast forward to today, we're like an eight person team. Like thankfully we do really well as an agency. Like, you know, I'm hiring people. Like it's growing now because sustainable business. I figured out, you know, focus on recurring revenue. Because my problem was early on, I guess this is a bit tidbit for people. Try to get recurring revenue, even if you're an agency, right? I still do one off revenue to be clear. It's still a percentage of my business, but I focus a lot of my effort on getting retainers going because it creates reliability, which mitigates the issue I had early with the peaks and valleys to an extent. I'm not saying it's a silver bullet, but I know, okay, on the first of every month, it's like I'm collecting rent on a building. I know I'm going to get hit with a chunk of cash, covers my overhead, and hopefully I eat a little something on top, if not have a great month on top. So that was like a big shift for me that creates sustainability for me to go like full speed on the agency. And so today we do both. Like we we do events, like this week we're going to announce probably two or three events for the upcoming month or two. And we do like mixers, panels, pitch events, you know, expos. And you know, again, first couple of years, it was just community building agency. We had, I'm sorry, community building and that type of thing. And then the back half of the decade, the last five years, we rolled out the agency. So like first five years, just events, community building, didn't really have a business model, constantly was in that space and then realized I could do an agency. So for us, we, you know, if I were to build it backwards, if I went agency first and tried doing events, I don't know if I'd be as into the events, but I did it for so long that like it's second yeah. nature for me. So it just continues to be like a funnel for us because it's like, well, we, that's like our that's how we started was events community building. So it's like, 
really part of our company's DNA. Yeah. So it's like we just do both now, and it's like just the, it's almost simultaneous now. Like we know how to like grab the value from the events and trickle it into the agency. So well, I mean, um, yeah. No, I mean, you're, I think what's interesting. A lot of agencies, you know, they're always trying to do what you did the other way. Like, yeah, oh, how do I right. build community and events and how do I get that lead gen? How do I get the thought leadership? And I have seen that the folks that start with something other than an agency and move to an agency because they're made see model because they're pushed, like they see the opportunity, usually have a better like mix of of how to get lead like the biggest yeah. problem with an agency is just lead gen like yeah how do you do lead gen to get people in the door and seems like you crack the nut and that's a hard hard thing for startups too right for sure you know what's funny about it like for example whenever i pitch any prospect on like our agency side what i literally do is i let them talk about their business and i you know ask qualifying questions all that but the way i start my side of it on any lead that comes in whether it's design project or you know, a lead gen doesn't matter I start by, hey, can I, do you mind if I share my screen? Tell you more about Startup Boost and our Genesis story. And then I'll <laughs> tell you about, you know, X or Y. It was like, sounds good. I literally share the screen. I put you three YouTube videos, three YouTube videos of our events where it's like hundreds of people at the event. And then it's like, they look at me, they're like, whoa, like, that's so cool. Like, you have this whole community. So, like, you know, well, now I just tell people, look, even if it doesn't work out on X service, like, come out to our next event. Right. Yeah. And like, for example, I have this one lead this week. Like, I haven't talked to him in like a year. But we talked, he's going to probably move forward on some stuff. And he's like, you know, he's like, I really appreciate you because like, you've always been like, very like focused on the early stage and like putting a lot of work to build the community and like just all the energy. So he's like, I'm glad now we found something we can work on. And like, for example, I'm going to send him my upcoming events to get touch base as we get into the contract. So like, it's interesting in that like, it, it's a, it's a reputation builder. Like if I had a, you know, if I was an agency founder right now, if I really want to hack what I've done, you don't have to do the hundreds of events I've done to be quite out. I'll give him like a hack here. It's like, even if you do like two events, we have like video content of it. Then you play that and say, hey, like, here's like some events we've done and just like show you on the community, like being active and stuff. It just gets people's attention. It builds trust and rapport. And now it instantly makes you an authority because like you're that guy or gal who hosts that event with 200 or 800 people or even 100 people, whatever. And it's yeah. just like, oh, cool. Like that's a cool factor, I guess. So it yeah. really helps us in terms of like, I say in terms of rapport building, like we should not have those videos and not have that part of like the pitch until we're kind of like still grasping like, each another agency. When we showed it to them, they're like, oh, cool. Maybe. Even if they're in like Florida, hey, next time I'm in the city, like I'll let you know. I just talked to someone right now, a lady this morning. She is in, was it Cali? She's like, oh, I might be out in Boston next month. I'll like coordinate yeah. with you and see if I can pop into an event. It's like, okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think like you see a lot of SaaS companies, especially in the B2B space. One that comes to mind is Winter. I don't know if you've heard of Winter. I've heard of that. No. What do they do? They do message testing. They're a message testing platform. So okay. they'll have literal people in your ICP look at your website and give you comments on, oh, I hate this. This is stupid. Like they're A plus. I've had Pep on the, on, on the pod. I follow, he, he's like one of the best guys when it comes to messaging and testing. Very thoughtful wow. guy. And, you know, they're a SaaS tool. You pay to do messaging testing, but they also do events. And there's actually right. one coming up in April. It's this huge marketing event in there in Austin. <clears throat> but he's, you know, what what is he doing? Like he builds this community, builds the credibility. So if you ever need his service, it's there for you. He doesn't he pushes what he does, but he doesn't push what he does because he's yeah. built this ecosystem around him where he's just got a huge amount of thought leadership and credibility. So if I ever need a message testing, like 
he's always top of mind. In fact, every time I talk yeah. about storytelling, every time I've quoted him in some of my books, because yeah. this shit just nails it. Like, yeah, yeah, one, yeah, yeah. you know, it, it, and so a lot of companies, startups, build their product, then they build their community. Yeah. And it's interesting that you've built your community and then started thinking about products. So yeah. how, how do you build thoughtful community? How do you start? Like everyone yeah. I always talk to is like, oh, I'd love to build a community. I mean, I'm in a bunch of them and there some of them are okay. Some of them are great, but it sounds like you've really, you cracked a nut on that. Yeah. So one is it, right? Like for me to, now I have like almost like strategies that I know will like fill up the room. But I'll tell you, like early on, there's events where like it was like 10% attendance of like what I was expecting. So like first couple of years, there were some rooms that were just like flat out embarrassing for me. I was like, oh my God, like, I, like, I can't believe I like someone paid to sponsor this thing. Like I'm like sweating and stuff. You know what I mean? So like I've been through all that and like, I'll tell you like a couple things. One is like, if you're going to do, there's a couple of different types of events. One is like a mixture, obviously. Right. You know, I'd say if you're early on building a community, you should use all of the different like free promotional platforms. Like right now, we have like 30,000 on our newsletter. So I don't really put it out anywhere like Eventbrite or Meetup. I don't really need it. But early on, that's all I did. So like early on, I would like put it on Eventbrite, Meetup, all the stuff where people are searching can find it. Like locally in New York, they have like Gary's Guide. I don't know if that's in like other cities, but Gary's Guide is a pretty big one. Built in is another one for startups. And like every time we did an event, we blasted everywhere. Another thing we did was like, we do a lot of free mixers early on to get emails. So early on, like I'd host a mixer in New York and if it like really picked up and like we got some good coverage on it, I get a thousand emails. I'm <clears throat> not saying a thousand to show up on a free event. It's usually like 20 to 30% attendance rate. But if I get a thousand emails, now I can rehit them on my newsletter all the time. So like that's the thing where like early on, we used to do a lot of not only that, but also cross promote with other com communities early on. Like, yeah, we don't do this anymore, but back then we did. So like I'd reach out to all the different meetups where like in like mixers and startups and like, hey, look, you guys promote our stuff, we'll promote yours to our newsletter. And like what would happen at one point was like our logo was like everywhere. Like all the other meetups in New York like had our logo on there. So we'd like at a certain point we we're just bigger than a lot of them. So we'd be like, hey, look, what's we'll in our newsletter if those in yours and like put us as like a media partner on like your landing page. So like early on it was a lot of like the public stuff and then also like the cross promotion. Those were some like our keys. And then, you know, again, early on there were some empty events. I'm not gonna hit sit here and sugarcoat it. But there's some events that were like standing room, people were like fighting to get into the place. And I'm like, okay, I need to understand the difference here. Like, this is night and day. Like, what am I doing differently? Right. So I'll give you a couple of them, at least from like our space. Like one is anything we ever did with an investor in the room, people showed up. Like people want to be investors. So like these pitch events, it's like standing room only all the time. And like, oh yeah. Yeah. Pitch events are awesome. We used to yeah. do some of those with when I used to work for, um, a nonprofit and, and a, and a professional athlete. Yeah. People love, yeah. especially. If there's a, yeah, if there's an investor in the room, people are going to show up. <laughs> That's yes. Yes. Yeah. So if you get a feature like, Hey, we have A and B coming from whatever ABC ventures and DEF ventures, people get fired up about it. And look, on the flip side of that, that's also true about speakers. If you can get a really good speaker, right? So like, just okay. That there's pitch events is kind of one hack. Another one is if you're doing a, uh, panel, I've seen it go standing room only and like five, 10 people showed up, like literally. And I'm like, Oh my God. And honestly, you have to have an interesting topic. Some people will try to do stuff that's like so technical. It's like, oh, the panel on SMS regulation. Like, you know, I mean, it's hard to get a group to show up for that, right? But if it's like, I don't know, if I'm making something up, maybe at least hit a niche, like the future of food tech, something, something where like there's an audience of people who are like pretty sizable 
like, for example, we, we also uh, sometimes do events. Uh, we have like this side organization we run our meetup called NYC Sports Tech Meetup. Like that's a sports tech one. That one gets packed anytime we do it because it's like sports tech. Like it's a big audience of people or even if you do like a fintech panel, like, and then also having good panels. Like if you have C-suite or VP of, that's one thing I'd say like is kind of a little underrated. Even if you're starting from zero, you can actually get some pretty big speakers. If like you put together an event, like if you're doing like a food tech event, you might reach out to like the CEO of some like big, you know, food tech shop who's raised $20 million, who might actually either sit on the panel or send their VP of sales or something. So like there is that where like, even if you're kind of starting up, you know, the, look, and if you want to be like real scrappy, like you can even, I used to like go to venues where like co-working spaces, because I know they want straws. Like, listen, I don't have a budget for a venue, but like I'll bring you a hundred people and we can promote the hell out of your co-working space as a part of this and put you in our newsletter and stuff. Sound good? And like, yeah, let's do it. Right. So there's ways like be scrappy and do it at literally like low to no cost. And, you know, I'm, I'm kind of further along. So I have a lot of nuances in the way I do things. So like, for example, I'll say back in the day, like we used to like make a couple thousand bucks off the pitch event. Cause like we charge everybody. We charge like in the judges and pigs, like the investors, like we charge the startups, we charge the audience and like we made money from them. And then after a while, I was like, you know what? I'd rather hire the quality of the startups by setting a parameter being like, Hey, you know, at least 500 K raised 10 plus employees or from revenue, but it's free for you. And the way we did that was like, we then had the agency to supplement it. So I no longer had to depend on dollars from the events. So that's like now a lot of our events, even though we've grown, we've made them like free instead of like paid. We do a lot of paid stuff because for me, it's like, all right, fine. I can maybe make, I don't know, three, $4,000 if I really sell the hell out of the room, right? And get a couple of sponsors. Or I can just have one client for five grand a month or a three month deal. You know what I mean? So like for me, it made it something where I could open it up and democratize it even more and, and ensure the quality of the pitch event while also making sure that obviously I can sustain and spend time and build this community. So like these are little like things that you get deeper into it where like now we're talking nuances. And then kind of last half I'll say on like events is like, ensuring that you drive value for putting in the time. So it's a lot of work. My like interact like events don't take time. That's why a lot of people do one or two, just like blog posts and then stop. It's work. I mean, you know, we're on the show. Everything's time, energy and all that. So yeah. So like, for example, panels, how do I guarantee a panel, like value on a panel? I'll give you an example. I just talked to someone an hour ago. They're a cybersecurity company. They might hire us to do an event. Okay. Like, all right, how, yeah. Like how do we guarantee that we're going to get value out of the event? I said, listen, if you guys want to guarantee the right people in the room, the growth hack there is if you do an all day event on cybersecurity, we have five panels throughout the day. Each panel has five panelists who we've handpicked. So what ends up happening? Even if you have 200 people in the audience and there's like hit or miss on like a lead gen for the organization that's paying us to do it, they're guaranteed to get value because those 25 panels throughout the day, like are going to be there. They're going to be on a panel. You're going to be moderating. It's so kind of leveling the playing field with the VP of or the C suite at. And even ahead of the event, I was saying, look, you can even reach out and say, look, I just have to hop on a quick call to tell you a bit about like some of the questions I'm going to ask during the panel. These are VPs or big companies. By the way, I just to tell you a bit more about what ABC Corp does beyond the event. Sounds yeah. good. And yeah. it's like, you know, they're not going to yeah. say no to that. They don't think I'll see you in a week or two. And it's like, all right, fine. So like yeah. these are little things like we've tweaked over time through like a lot of failure, like a lot, like a lot of success as well. So anyway, long story short, there's like a deeper playbook from a high level, like I'd say like have interesting events, right? Hustle to like make it essentially free for you to run it on your end. And, you know, early on, maybe try to track down some sponsors, kind of like, you know, make up for the time you're spending. And then finally, it's like find ways to kind of get like nuanced with it, depending on like what else your organization does. You mentioned your buddy, he sells software. So if you're a software play, maybe it's like, hey, and again, if you want to, I'll give you the last thing here, the Bumble growth app, right? Yeah. Bumble, what they did was like, hey, we'll go to these sororities. 
sponsor the event, tell all the frats to download it. And so as the guys show up, they have to have the bumble. And then what happens is once they graduate from University of Michigan or Rutgers or wherever, they then go move to San Francisco or New York and like they're talking about bumble. So like that's the way you can use events to like see off like a software side. Like there's all different ways to slice it. But I'd say like do some events, make sure you have the right agendas and things that are filling yeah. up the room and then get creative on like how do you drive value to the room and to get and how do you get value from the room, you know, and creating that for everybody. So yeah, it's super interesting because we were at my day job, like, wow, yeah. a lot of our clients love events. <clears throat> they do these sort of like, you know, elaborate in Vegas, big, big thing, big community yeah. events to sort of get with their folks. I used to do a lot of them <clears throat> for my old firm and yeah, I just not into them <laughs> that much, yeah. you know, yeah. but what's interesting is the value derived is astronomical and it's it's exactly what you said because people want to get educated they want to get inspired <clears throat> they're going to show up to a good event with a good speaker and good you know good well done and <clears throat> if you are a startup and you're trying to think about how to get better lead gen etc there's always the thought leadership and the content but content's also events and trying to bring people together to add value even you know even a you're going to meet up you know or attending a meetup yeah it's just so fascinating because i think that's overlooked a lot i really no. do yeah what's that something you just mentioned that's interesting is like you mentioned hey there could be like astronomical value on the flip side of that here's the other thing that people miss i agree obviously i've done a lot of business off of events but what people don't realize with events also it's like you have to understand you might host three events right and the first event, you got a lead. Oh, cool. Made some money, right? Everything worked out. The next event, you might get nothing. It's like any other marketing. That's what people don't understand about events. They want like a silver bullet. Like, oh, I did an event. I have 20 new leads and like I'm crushing. No, I've done events where I've gotten nothing. I posted hundreds of people, literally 100 people. So I got not a single deal out of it. Just for whatever reason. Wasn't the right people. Just energy was off. I don't know what was wrong, right? Maybe they just, it wasn't good alignment. I didn't hustle hard enough. I got zero out of the event in terms of like return. Then another event where we got like four clients out of it and it's like, whoa, like this is un unbelievable. But other situations where like, you know, I met someone, they weren't really a lead for me, but then they referred someone three months later and now all of a sudden that's an opportunity. So like, that's the one thing I'd say with events is like any other marketing channel, you have to be consistent. Like you with your pod, right? Like you are consistent. So that's probably how you're able to drive value. I'm sure out of the hundreds of people you've interviewed, some have driven value and given you something in return, but the majority yeah. probably have done nothing in terms of like returning or reciprocating, to be quite honest, right? Yeah, so yeah. It's a I mean, volume. It's, you have to understand that. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a st statistics and volume and consistency. And I think, you know, I, I'm not a huge fan of performance marketing. I think it's sort of yeah. like a growth hack that's that's done. Honestly, yeah. I mean, yeah, you could run ads and whatever, but to me, table stakes for any business is solid marketing brand building. However, you think you need to do that. You just need to spend the money and yeah. you need to mo you figure out what works and then double down or whatever champ. If you don't do that consistently, you're, you're done because you cannot just like switch horses all the time. I mean, one of the best pieces of advice I got doing this pod was I'm on the, I'm on the blue wire network, which is a huge sports podcasting thing. You know, not Evan Jones, the CEO. Maybe. Great, great guy, huge, huge network of sports podcasts. And you're like, why are you on a sports podcast network? Well, I helped Kevin 
in the early days, I, I was his mentor for a little while. I'm, I'm wow. an investor in, in Blue Wire, a small investor, not huge, right? Awesome. But his, his advice, yeah, his advice was commit to one a week for a year. Do five before you publish anything. If you can't commit to f- once a week for a year without looking at numbers, without doing all that, then don't do it. And I'm like, but, no, but, 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 and he's just like, are you in? Are you out? <laughs> was his only criteria. And yeah. he was right. I mean, you know, he, he's, they built, I think they're at like 200 pods now. Like it's a huge, you know, just, you know, a, a great network. And so consistency matters, man. Showing oh, yeah. up and doing the work. And it's sometimes to your point, <clears throat> zero could get more, but showing up consistently is what matters. And I think that's table stakes for anything. If, you, if you're not willing to do that, then you shouldn't get into business. Yeah. Like, you know, it's you know, the concept of like walking is the residue of hard work, right? Like you're not going to get lucky if you don't bust your tail to get into those situations. And even then you might not get lucky, but you know, to have a chance to something to happen, it's like, you got to show up and be consistent and everything else. So definitely. And I think anyone, especially who's like maybe like a younger entrepreneur who's like listening to this or watching it, it's like, you gotta have that mindset of the kind of analogy I was thinking in the back of my mind is like, you know, like a nuke goes off, you gotta be like that cockroach, right? You gotta like kind of go on the ground and just like resurface and be like, all right, I'm ready to roll again. Like it's just, you're gonna get hit. Like things are gonna happen. And like that consistency, I think, is a good kind of defense against it though, because, you know, things are rolling, things are going well. Maybe that extra effort you gave doing the podcast this week got you that extra lead. Or even if things are going shitty, maybe it's just like an uplift for you because you spoke to someone and you feel good about things again and your energy's up. Like that consistency can also like be as like a, a defense against like things going left or, you know what I mean? So, yeah. Oh, no, no, for sure. Like you're, you know, and what's interesting that a lot of startups that I've been involved with, and I've learned this lesson the hard way, right? Yeah. Like, hey, great product, great tech, no, you know, no problem to solve, no good marketing, no good sales. You know, I, I'm not a sales person. Like my disposition is more marketing strategy and development. Like, you know, I can yeah. build shit, I know how to build shit. And, and over time I've learned that one of the most important skills for all entrepreneurs is to actually learn how to sell, but you don't have to be perfect at it. You don't have to be like the, yeah. you know, <laughs> you know, Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross guy, right? You have to be yeah, the yeah. copies for closers, but yeah. the first people who sell on a startup are the founders. Yeah. If the founders can't sell the thing, no magic SDR, no magic chief revenue officer. Yeah. It doesn't matter because you're the one. It knows the most about it. You need to sell it so you can teach people to sell it. And yeah, I don't know. I mean, it just, it seems like the game changer to me. I think products democratized, right? I could build anything. Yeah. Yeah. It's the best, best story wins on this stuff. And part of that best story winning is how do I talk about it? How do I sell it? How do I get people to give a yeah. shit? And it actually goes back to kind of the macro here. It's like the consistency, right? Because what happens is, especially early on in any new product you're selling, you're going to be bad. You're going to be bad. Like whoever, you're going to be horrible on the first couple of calls. It is what it is. But like you need those experiences to one, build your confidence. That's one thing. And realize that like whatever you're scared about, there's nothing really to be scared about. You're just psyching yourself out. That's like one hurdle, right? Second, it's like understanding what's around the corner. Because I'll tell you from experience, there's five or 10 objections to any sale. It's not a thousand. So once you've heard it enough times, you almost build it into your pitch where it's like you pitch it in a way that's already addressed 90% of the concern ahead of time. And like, it'll get to the point like where someone's like, you're like, hey, so with all that being said, any like specific questions you have, if it gets to the point where like, you feel like you know all the objections, you put them out there already, 
most times they'll be like, no, it's pretty straightforward. Like what's pricing look like? You know what I mean? But that takes time. Like you're not going to do it on the first call. You're just not. So that's a whole other thing. It's like with sales, it's like you have to be willing to put in the work and kind of like cut your teeth and like build out the nerves because it's like anything else, you know, you, you work a muscle, it gets bigger. Like sales is the same deal, right? You on your first call, sales call versus your thousandth, or you on your first podcast versus your 200th, it's like different beast. You know what I mean? It's night and day. Yeah, <laughs> it's, yeah, like yeah, yeah. it's like writing is the same way. Like my first book, what a piece of junk, mm. you know, now I'm on my- But you needed that one to understand like <laughs> table stakes, right? Like, Well, and I think one thing that we don't do great of in entrepreneurship and business is the idea of practice. Mm. Like if you're, if you're yeah. in sports, right? You know, I do jujitsu, right? So- Jiu-jitsu, like our, our competition, like I, I, I get into a competition, like the round, the, the fight is five minutes. Yeah. Yeah. I've trained years for that five, five minutes, minutes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and champions are made when no one's looking. Yeah. Well, exactly. And like, yeah. just look at sport. I mean, I think the best analogies, I mean, si sports analogies are the best for sales that I've ever seen because yeah. sales is about that drive to win. It's a combat sport. But, and, but also the practice, like mm. it's, it's, you get a lot of at bats and you strike out a lot yeah. and you just got to be okay with that. And you got to be like, okay, get the, I mean, you yeah. have to have the discipline to keep going. Yeah. That is just amazing to me. I mean, I'm, I'm always impressed by good salespeople. Like, you know, it's funny. Like, even for me, like I, like I'm now just the last like year or so, been like creating more processes and delegating. Like even this week, like we're setting up our sauna. Where like my team's like helping me to like delegate better and all that. So I'm starting to get to that point in the business. But like even till today, like the last two days, today's Wednesday. Yesterday, today, I've probably been on 20 calls and like 70% are probably sales calls. And like I have SDRs do the first call and that and prospect and sure their quality. So I'm not on every call, but more of like the closing calls. So like I almost think about like I always feel like at a certain point, fathers need to, like I need to eventually move on something else beyond sales at some point. But I kind of like the idea of like, you know, you have like one of these like armies, right? And like, there's the general could be like in the back of the like army, like in their office or whatever, kind of pushing around pawns, like where, who goes where, regulate that general, like in the front, like on your horse with like your sword and you're like, well, let's go. You know what I mean? And I yeah. feel like well, yeah, at yeah. a certain point, you do have to bring on a CRO and all these things that'll get me wrong. But I yeah. feel like people try to be that general, like in the office kind of strategizing too early on a lot of startups. And it's because a lot of the reasons we talked about, we're making it sound simple to be able to kind of cut your teeth and, you know, get through the nerves. Like a lot of people don't get past that stage. That's just the reality of it. So because yeah. it's, it's hard. hard. Yeah, it's not easy. Yeah. Well, and and it's the discipline. I mean, just imagine you're a tech founder, right? Yeah. And your technical prowess is unmatched. You're like a genius. Yeah. Like you went to whatever IV, whatever tech school. You could yeah. literally build anything. Like doesn't even matter. You could you bend totally space be there. Yeah. 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 And then someone you're like, well, sell me it. And and you like you have no clue because that is so outside your comfort zone. And yeah. more importantly, you're talking you're code. They can't relate to it. They don't know what's going on. You're yeah. going to fail so much and you're not used to failure. Yeah. That's not going to be good. I mean, that's the reason why sports analogies and sports in general, yeah. I think are good for anyone to play because yeah. sometimes it's your day. Sometimes it's not yeah. like this morning, yeah. you know, rolled a bunch of times, got caught in a choke, had to tap, didn't yeah. want to get, didn't want to tap, but I'm like, Hey, listen, either you, succeed, either you succeed or you learn, you don't fail. But if you keep doing the wrong thing over and over, you keep getting choked out, then you're failing because you're not taking the lesson. Like that's the key, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think for sales though, again, like for founders, if, if I was to yeah. take what you've talked about and all your experience and, and really just like 
boil it down for me personally, it's yeah. if you're going to generate a community and you're going to build events, right? Like do it thoughtfully, start out really like you, you got to hustle and it's the ultimate and, and then also learning the sales process and having to close your own deals. Like literally yeah. learning that is the advice I wish I got 25 yeah. years. You know, the other thing is also like, if you eventually want to scale a business for you able to create, for you to be able to create like the program or the assets or the scripts or whatever else, you need to be the one, like right now, like I built a lot of our sales scripts and different things. And then I've sat there as like my sales reps were trained up and like joined the first couple of calls. And like, if they miss something, I jump in and like answer and give it back to them until they're like, Jason, I don't need you anymore. So like even things like that. But the point is to your point, like if you're not the one leading the sales at first, you can't build that collateral to eventually delegate. It's never going to get to that next step period if you're not experiencing it, then creating process, then delegating. I think a lot of people are kind of lazy. It's like, oh, let me just delegate. Let me hire a CRO or, it, and they're like, it doesn't I don't know work. where to start. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't work. I've done, like from personal experience, I've done yeah, that. Same. It doesn't work. And, and this is the thing I always tell. They're like, well, this should sell itself. I go, look, salespeople are lazy. Yeah. And they're like, what do you mean salespeople are lazy? And I said, look, their job's to close deals, not to like figure out your stupid shit. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, they're that, lazy in the sense that tell me what to sell, not happy figure it's out it's so funny like, I, I had a call this morning we have like a, a, a lady on our team now this lady cam she's super cool super helpful she does a lot of like for example if i need like our asana she's talking about our entire asana she's like doing a lot of operation stuff for us and like i've been so busy over the last week like i've been so back to her on slack and like we got things going i said honestly cams you're doing an amazing job i'm honestly kind of like jokingly i said it but i kind of meant that, like i'm failing you as a ceo i need to get back to you and like literally what we did today we set a one-hour meeting every day between now and the end of the next week so i cannot like not get her what she needs to do her job so like like everything you're saying is absolutely accurate and like one last thing i'll say is like now she's going to product a little bit and not to play my own thing that i'm working on but it only because it comes back to this conversation so beyond startup boost i'm also working my own like software startup and like even right now i'm trying to figure out product market fit so what have i done literally the last week i spoke to like a dozen different users i emailed them i was like hey look if you you know do this like spend 50 ask 15 minutes I'll let you do a full interview with you on like our outlet. I will give you free credits for the platform. I found 15 minutes because like we're trying to figure out product market fit. And it's almost like sales. Like I'm getting on there. I'm being like, hey, look, how's your experience? I'm, I have a Google Doc. I have no certain questions. Then it's like, and I have, we have two potential trajectories on where we pursue product market fit. So I'm like, hey, here's two possible routes for the business for the product moving forward. Do you like A or B? And overwhelmingly, I got like the first version, which is what I want to do anyway. So it's like that validation. So like even for example, I'm talking to my investors on Monday. My report to them is like, listen, I talked to like a dozen people. They really want to go this route. This is like where like the best path forward is. And like, it's almost like it's not sales, but I think to even make it even more like uh, basic, not even just sales, it's you got to talk to people. It's, it's you got to talk is to development. It's market yeah. product market fit. Um, yeah. It's actually product research. It's market. Yeah. Re I mean, yeah. And but I think that at the heart of it's talking to people. That's how you yeah. get to product. Yeah, yeah. That's how you get to sales. You have to talk to yeah. people. People are still in their shell. That it's like, yeah. you have to get out of your comfort zone. You have to, if you can do a startup. So yeah. otherwise, you're going to keep guessing. You're going to keep throwing stuff at the wall and hoping it sticks. And guess what? Throwing stuff at the wall and tech and hoping it sticks costs a lot of money. Is is a lot of time and money wasted yeah. for sure. So Jason, man, appreciate yeah, yeah. your time. Been Absolutely. Probably talk for for another 20 yeah, minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really don't give it. This, this, is just the intro. This, is, this is just the intro, everybody. The intro show. Yeah, we'll do it. No, no, we'll do it again sometime. Yeah, yeah. I always love having people yeah. back on. And, no, absolutely. You know, and, and love what you're doing. And again, you know, thank you for the time and having me. And yeah, looking forward to, you know, continuing to engage with the community. Thank you. Yeah, appreciate that. Take care, man. You got it. Okay.
Thanks for listening to the Entrepreneur Ethos Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did creating it. My hope is that you learned something that can make you a little bit better. If you enjoyed the podcast, please do share it with friends and review it on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You can also join my email list by visiting theentrepreneurethos.com to get my thoughts on what I'm doing to get better as well as what I'm working on. You can also pick up my book, The Entrepreneur Ethos, if you want to learn the traits, values, and beliefs that I think we need to build a more ethical, inclusive, and resilient entrepreneur and frankly, world community. Feel free to follow me on Twitter at The Daily MBA and let me know if you have any questions or recommendations for a guest you'd like me to talk to. Also, drop me a note if you try anything we talked about on this or any other episode. I'd love to hear what's working for you. Until next time, keep getting better. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.